Welcome to another episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North Homeschool Academy offers live online classes, clubs, testing, ebooks, a special needs program that's unique, as well as academic advising, and so much more. We'd love it if you looked at our website at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. And we would love it if you shared and downloaded this podcast on iTunes. We've been talking this month about the soft skill of teamwork. And again, I'm joined by my husband, Dr. David Neary. Hi, Lisa. You brought me back again. <laughs> I have. Here you are to talk more about teamwork. Yep. Here <laughs> Try not to scare everybody right off the bat. Okay? <laughs> that wouldn't be good teamwork, would it? <laughs> no. Okay. Last time we were together, uh, we talked about, again, uh, coming up, being clear on our purpose, uh, our vision, our mission. We then use that to uh, rough out our goals and then use that to defi- start defining roles. We then use these the SMART acronym to mm-hmm. define uh, what specific to specify our goals and turn those into specific expectations um, in, in a group. Uh, and then we ended last time by talking about specific problems you know, in the issues of role and hierarchy. And if you didn't get that part, I really would invite you to go back and review that mm-hmm. because it really clears up some confusion as it relates to role, power, hierarchy, value, all these sorts of things and kind of helps us understand where we're at in a, in a bigger world. So I would invite you to, to check that out. And we um, made lots of references to space movies. Yeah, we do that. <laughs> you know, we, we, we have that, that tendency. I don't know. Are we spacey people? I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> We've been podcasting too long. Spacey, today, spacey people with a lot of fiction, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, even once you've defined all those expectations and you start working together, it's important to assess how you're doing. Right. And so we want to talk today about assessment, both internal and external. An internal assessment has to do with integrity. Now, we're going to spend the next month on integrity. We're going to spend a whole month on the soft skill of integrity, which really is integral. It comes from the root word integer, which means whole or complete. And it's integral to being a person that can play on a team. If you're not a person of integrity, you've compromised your team. Well, real relationships stand or fall on the principle of integrity. It's it's the foundation of all soft skills and relationships of meaning. I mean, mm-hmm. if I don't keep my promises and tell the truth and, and do that based on principles of life, then we're going to have problems. Or and, if situations are, eth- or ethics are situational. Oh, ab- absolutely. If, if ethics are, I mean, ethics can be responsive to a situation, to sit to, to specific situations, but the ethics of ethical principles themselves have to stand as being transcendent to a specific situation. It's their application that should be situational, not their nature. Right, exactly. So we want to talk about telling the truth and defining the truth. And what is the truth apart from our purpose and ourselves? Because if you talk about truth, you can talk about little t truth and big T truth. Well, again, the internal assessment has to do with ourselves. As I said, I'm sorry. The internal, internal assessment is first internal to me being a part of the team. Mm-hmm. And then we're going to talk about the other parts of the team and the team itself. But but first, I have to start with me. I have to look at me first before I look at thee. Mm-hmm. And and so we have to be able to look at things and, and to look at things truthfully. Right. Well, truth is that which is apart from our purposes and ourselves. It's not what I want. It's not me. 
it's not just my perception. It's something larger than that. Now, my perception is, is part of that discernment process, but truth is not my perception. Mm-hmm. So it, you hear a lot of rhetoric nowadays of people talking about my truth. Well, I, I need to speak my truth when it really could be a perception or a memory. This was the whole problem with the lost memories and the recovered memory situation in the mental health field a couple of years ago. Well, my truth makes sense when it's me and about me. Right. So if I'm talking about my process, so my sense of self, my sense of meaning or understanding, your emotions, how my you emotions, feel. how I feel, my internal experience, intent or will, what I'm trying to accomplish. Okay. And even when I talk about my perceptions of a particular situation, all of those do relate to my truth and appropriately so if I'm clear that that's what I'm referring to. But if I'm talking about my emotions because something you said or did hurt my feelings and now I'm really, I'm hurt or I'm angry, my truth isn't that you're abusive. That's not my truth. It, I mean, maybe you were abusive, but maybe you weren't. But my truth is my upset. Well, your, your, your truth is you feel abused. Right. Okay, you feel abused. You understand it as abused, and and that's your your the interpretation that you're bringing. And whether you're right and wrong requires an additional step, which to, is to look at things in a measurable, specific way. Going back to our smart goals, you sound like a scientist. Or it's something. a little bit like that. Yeah. Yes, we're going to actually oh, look at what occurs. Here comes the space references. You're oh, just that's really right. a science nerd at the heart of it all. That's right. Well, I am a science nerd, not necessarily a spacey science nerd. <laughs> but the thing is, is that what is Truth relates to those things that are now more outside of ourselves, and we're going to measure external to me, Mm -hmm. okay? And now we have to have a conversation. Okay, wait a minute. They're observable, just like in the scientific method. They're observable. Right. That's what we mean by objective. Objective means it's observable. Mm -hmm. And so the truth that I'm now going to be held accountable in relationship to you or anyone else requires an additional step of assessing what information we have outside that. And sometimes... Again, like in, in conflicts between spouses, we may have no way of measuring what occurred between those two spouses. And it's important that the two spouses can talk about their truth and their understanding, but it is not reasonable for them to expect the other person just to adopt their truth wholeheartedly, you know, whole, whole in a whole fashion. Well, so we we have this we've had this conversation over and over over the years is that my memory of a situation is so radically different than your memory. Right. And yet we had to come to the point in our relationship, which like you get your memory. Right. You have your memory. Right. That's, but you can't take my memory and I can't take your memory. Right. That's where it's legitimate to talk about my truth versus opposed to your truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. But it is not legitimate for me to try to impose my truth on you. That requires the process of assessing truth. Mm-hmm. Think something outside of ourselves. When we're talking about something that occurs outside of ourselves, we can talk about truth. But anytime we're talking about my truth, that cannot go outside of ourselves. As soon as we go beyond that, okay, then it's a problem. Somebody's talking about their truth. When they're talking about something that's more objective, they're they're operating in kind of a a a, a self-centered way. That doesn't mean they're a bad person, but they're kind of immature, and and because they're not looking for a broader understanding outside of the self, their self, they're not looking at the way of assessing that bigger picture. And so let's tie this all back into teamwork because you just said a whole lot. So if we're on a team and we're a team player 
And let's just take an example from baseball or something. And somebody's saying, you know, the ball went here. And, and I can just say, well, my truth is it didn't come in my zone. Well, that's easily observable. It either went in your zone or it didn't go in your it's zone. It's measurable. It's difficult when you're in a marriage or a family or you're homeschooling. Right, because you're talking about a lot of impact, okay? You're talking about a lot of effects on 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 the self, mm-hmm. all right? And those are really, really important. Those truths are important. It's reasonable to talk about my truth then. But the thing is, there's also truth that's outside of that that relates to, well, did I, in fact, come at this time? Did I, in fact, you know, lend you the keys or not? You know, who has the key? Who has the card? Did we do this? Did we do that? And that requires some type of measurement. And then we assess, does that measurement fit the criteria that we both agree? And now we can come to more of a concept of truth, something that's outside of us, Mm -hmm. okay? And really, this is really gets to the heart of Christianity, is that truth is completely external to you. It transcends you. It's bigger than you. Capital T truth is the personal relationship of Jesus Christ. Well, right. I would say that truth isn't isn't totally outside of you because, you know, again, the Spirit is within us, right? Jesus has come inside of us. Mm -hmm. So there is that truth. But again, we don't own him. He owns us. Mm -hmm. So we don't get determined the Jesus Christ within us, we get to discover and be obedient to the Jesus Christ within us. Mm-hmm. And that requires disciplining ourselves, submitting ourselves to his reign and his rule by using various ways of assessing truth, such as by observation, measurement, the scripture, accountability, etc. So if I say that my truth refers to what's going on with me, that's legitimate. But when I talk about my truth that goes beyond me to something outside of me that should be measurable, that's called my imagination. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I want to just, we talked about Peter a lot last time and I want to get back to him because at the Garden of Gethsemane, his truth was that he was terrified. He was really afraid. He saw Jesus being being drug off, and he denied the Christ three times. Right. His he, truth was he failed. He failed. And then he felt terrible about it. Right. He felt like he, he'd failed the team. He'd failed the, the leader. He, and he had. Right. He and, bailed. Right. So we can actually go from his truth to the truth. Right. Is that is that he did feel that way. And in fact, because he was being accountable to the truth, he, he could see that his truth was informed by the truth was that, in fact, he had let the Lord down and the rest of the uh, the apostles. Right. And and really, his humility allowed him to go back and talk to Jesus, where Judas, sadly, tragically, did not have that humility to go get the redemption that was freely well, offered. Well, he was consumed by his own truth. He was consumed by His it. consume was he had actually betrayed the Lord. That was it. There was, in his head, there was no, no greater... No bigger story. Right. The, and the Judeo-Christian understanding is that truth is transcendent to any one person. It takes a long view. It's a big picture. And so it's not just about your truth, that your truth has to be integrated into the truth and the person of truth. And if you do that, you have a Peter story. If you don't do that, you got a Judas story. And thankfully, his mercies are new every morning because he's saying, I've got a bigger story. You want to be part of it today? Come join me in my truth. Your little truth is important and it matters a lot. Your piece of this team is integral to the big picture. So come with me. That's why there's where there's life, there's hope. Right. Is that at no point, as long as you have a heartbeat and a metabolism, as long as you're breathing, 
then the you have the ability of submitting your truth to a greater truth. And that means there always, 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 always is a possibility of redemption. And so I may not see it. I may have no idea. I may think that it's impossible. That's okay. But again, there's always the possibility of a greater redemption. But it's there's no guarantee that I will necessarily see that in my lifetime. But that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And we see that in the Bible all the time where people feel like they died and maybe they never get to see the redemption at the end of it. But their piece of the story was so important to that redemption happening. That's a Hebrews like 11. With Esther. Well, Hebrews 11. Right. I mean, that's how it ends. Yeah. You know, they didn't get to see what was, what was going to be coming down the road, but because they, they walked by faith, they walked by faith. And that faith is that awareness that claim on the great story mm-hmm. and what you're a part. That's actually keeping your truth becoming from becoming the truth. And a God. It, well, when you're, when you have your truth, you have an idol. Yeah. That's back to that discussion about the Elohim, right? You become the power. Right. But again, when you recognize that greater power, that greater story, you're not your own God. And, and if you are your own God, you're living in a very small world. You know, that's that, you know, Disney thing. It's a small world after all. <laughs> you know, that's, that's a bad thing. Okay. <clears throat> we we want to be, that right for me we want to be in the big world with a big God and not little gods such as ourselves. Right. And so again, that's an idea of discerning truth bigger than us. And that requires courage. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what exactly is courage? Is this a soft skill even? (laughs) Courage is doing the things we're reluctant or afraid to do. I mean, frankly, if you're a mom, you're probably doing stuff you're afraid to do all the time. Like, I'm sorry, but puke and I do not get along. If I have to deal with with throw up, man, I lose heart very quickly. Well, we can talk about the dead sheep here, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right. I mean, courage is doing things you don't want to do. I mean, for a while... One of the things we experimented <laughs> with was was like sheep. Okay? We're not animal people. And we're not. We do better with plants than animals. And one of the things we did was we, we killed several sheep. And and of the two not of us, on purpose. Not on purpose. And it wasn't even for meat or for. It was just like uh, yeah, accidentally just ineptness. Wait, just disclaimer: sheep try to die. Okay, so we are we aren't really great sheep keepers, but they work hard at dying. <laughs> Sheep are, are, are not the brightest animals. I, you, the people who have sheep out there can attest to this. But we ended up with several dead sheep. And, and the solution to this was to actually create this funeral pyre for the dead sheep. And I have a soft stomach, though harder than of the two Every of us. Every one of us. <laughs> right. And, and so one of the things I had to do was as, and also I was at a very demanding job. So it might take several days before I got to this dead sheep. So I'm trying to cut, to carry this dead carcass that's begun to smell like a dead carcass. And so David's stomach was mm. you know, doing all kinds of acrobatics. But one of the things I had to do was just push through that to get those carcasses burned. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter, you know, how I reacted, what I did. Point was that those carcasses had to end up on the fire. And, and that's, you know, just one example of courage is doing things you really, really don't want to do that fights against you. And that's what sort of dying to the flesh ultimately is about. You know, dead flesh here is is we all have to do that. And, and that's what courage is, is dying to that flesh. Mm-hmm. And really showing up. It's the most basic form of keeping a commitment is just showing up. If you're not there, you're not on a team. If you're in a marriage and one of you don't show up, you don't have a marriage. 
Um, and you don't get to, you don't get to keep, you don't get to practice marriage. That's called a failure. Right. You know, um, is that the, the, the success, successful marriages are the ones that don't quit. Right. You have to show up. You persist in it. You're, you're staying with that. There's the persistent, the courage, the showing up. You know, you had a great analogy about, uh, you know, it says in the scripture that to be found at the end of the day, to be found standing. Right. You had a great story about standing man. Right. Well, we apparently love Tom Hanks. <laughs> no, we like some of his movies. Okay, we like I don't his... know him personally. Okay, okay, so we like his movies. But there's another movie that he does called Bridge of Spies. And it is a beautiful movie about this man who negotiates. His soft skills are phenomenal. You should go watch that movie because he's really good at negotiating soft skills, and, yeah. and standing for what he wants and, and not compromising. Integrity. Integrity. I mean, it's just this beautiful movie. Courage. Yeah. All the things. So he is he is defending. He's a lawyer and he's defending a Russian spy during the Cold War. And this Russian spy tells him a story of when he was young. The red police came. The red guard. Yeah. The red guard comes in and they start beating up his mom and dad and this friend of his family. Right. So they're beating on the the family friend and they beat him up, knock him down. He'd stand back up. And they beat him up. They knock him back down. He'd stand back up. And he kept standing back up. He didn't fight back. But he just kept standing back up again. And sooner or later, the red guards, you know, leave him alone. And they say, we're going to let you live because you're the standing man. They had earned Mm -hmm. his respect. Right. And so the red spy calls um, lawyer Hank, whatever his name is. Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks character in this movie. He calls him the standing man because he doesn't back down when he wants something and he knows it's the right thing, no matter what anybody tells him. He stands for the truth. And really, everybody wanted him to to just let this case with the spy go because he was a commie spy. Right. And, and they, wanted it, they wanted this guy to just take the punishment. And Tom Hanks is like, our country is built on something more important, a truth. bigger story, truth. a big truth. Yeah, it wasn't just about his truth. It was the truth. Everybody else was focusing on their truth. Right. You know, he was focusing on the truth mm-hmm. that the story was based on, and he wasn't losing sight of that. He kept that vision the and that purpose clear. The long view. The long view with integrity and courage. He didn't quit. You know, <clears throat> a a more a more practical example of this persisting really has to do with special operations where where a lot of times they'll do hazing operations and special operations mm-hmm. group. And that's the case with a lot of, of military, elite military forces, is they have hazing operations for new members because they're wanting to see that the members don't quit. Mm-hmm. They want to see that they persist. They, they're going to have that to depend upon men. them. That they're standing men or women and they're depending upon them and that they can, in fact, depend upon them. That's the reason why they're in those elite units to begin with, mm-hmm. is they want the person next to be them to be someone they can depend on. Right. Rather than somebody an, that they're going to run. An ultimate team player. An ultimate I've got team your player. back, you've got mine, and nobody gets left behind. Right. And that's really the a really great definition of a team. Right. We don't leave anybody behind. Right. Well, I, I have some gruesome stories that I got from the military I won't go into. But the point is, is that, again, elite forces do not leave people behind. And that's something that's a value with them. And that's what creates that sense of team. They only have to like each other. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they don't like each other. And but what con- they do is they respect each other and they persist each other and they're there for each other. I think we've confused that now that we have to like each other to actually be part of a team. Not at all. And, and really, we have to do our roles and responsibilities to be part of a dream team even. Absolutely. We have to do our we have to show the soft skills 
of persistence, courage, integrity, communication, boundary maintenance, all these sorts of things, that's what's really critical. I have to, I respect you because I recognize that you have a role, that role has meaning, and I'm going to cooperate with your role as you do mine, but I don't necessarily have to esteem you. I have to respect you. Mm -hmm. I have to understand what you can do and can't do, and I'm going to depend upon you to do that and you me. Mm -hmm. That's what allows us to have good teamwork together, not necessarily liking each other or esteeming each other, but respecting each other and have good self and other concept. Exactly. So, so go ahead. Well, we're going to talk about external access, assessment for the group. And this is really a... Se- We've talked about internal assessment. Yes. We're assessing our internal self. Now we're going to talk about how we do the external assessment. That is others in the group itself. How do we assess the group itself? Right. So what does it mean to assess the group? And this is external to me. And this is when we're, we're talking about a season in sports. The, the season ends... And you have a whole lot of assessment, don't you? You have scorecards, you have stats. All of our baseball friends, um, we know one in particular who has a podcast called Rabbis in Baseball. and Baseball Rabbi. Okay, the Baseball Rabbi. And he can tell you a lot of stats about baseball. Right, because he's always assessing. He he loves the game because he's always assessing the game. Mm -hmm. He can tell you exactly what's going on, not just on the score, not just on the scores of the season, but also the individual stats of each individual player. He's assessing that sport totally, and that's what his love of the sport is expressed through, is that assessment. Mm-hmm. Because, again, once we have, have, we've decided what we're going to do, we've decided how we're going to do it, we're going to say who's going to do what, we have specific expectations, we've looked at ourselves, we, once we've looked at ourselves, now we look at one another and, our, and ourselves as a group, and we, we've done the plan, the do, now we're going to check, and now we're going to act on what we've checked. Okay, so we started off this series of three podcasts talking about Apollo 13, and you had a great little story about how in the space program, they obsessively check. Oh, they check everything. From concept Mm. to space flight. Well, right. There's always check, 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 check. Matter of fact, that countdown, when you hear the countdown, they're not just being dramatic. No. That countdown is actually a series of sequencing of what checks occur at very specific times before they lift off. Mm. So that's a series of actions and a series of checks that occur before they go. After years of assessing and checking. Oh, after years of development, assessing and checking. But the interesting thing about Apollo 13 is that particular, they had a particular sensor, a particular part on the oxygen tank that they hadn't come up with adequate checks for. Wow. And when that adequate, those adequate checks hadn't been done because they didn't realize they needed to do that, that part failed. It failed years before the mission. When they actually put the part in and it failed, it blew that tank, it blew that engine, it nearly blew those three lives. Yeah. Because they had not developed those kind of checks. Well, later on, even in that movie, they talk about where the door had jammed Mm -hmm. and they they hadn't assessed the door. Well, they realized the door was a problem, so they fixed that through a series of of of, of uh, testing. So they tested that and now that wasn't a problem. Mm-hmm. And that's how these really great programs move forward is a series of assessments and checks because you're it's it's accountability. When when we're following through with accountability, there's an accounting part of accountability. And and the only way that you can actually check on how we're doing together is having that accountability one another because you're accounting for what occurs. We we think about accountability as punishment. Mm-hmm. Accountability is not punishment. Okay. Accountability is accounting for what happened and sorting out what it belongs to. If I give you a prize, that could be accountability. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I gave you, I recognized what you did provided it actually accounting 
for your actual performance. If I give you a prize that isn't related to a performance, it's not accountability and it's not that very much, it's not very meaningful. Right. So it could be a prize or a punishment as long as it's related to a performance. That's called accountability. Mm-hmm. So all of this has to do with teamwork, internal assessment, external assessment, the roles and responsibilities and parts that you play. In actually holding one accountable. And that's the, the final point I wanted to make about that accountability. It's really important to, in order to, to be accountable is to understand the other person's perspective and point of mm-hmm. view, right. to hear what they have to say from their perspective, to hear what I have to speak from my perspective. There's your truth and my truth, but then we're going to come to the truth, which is actually putting each of our stories together that we've heard with with patience and, and listening and hearing. And now we're going to have this idea of a better understanding of truth as we assess what we've been doing and begin to move forward with whatever teamwork we're trying, teamwork uh, purpose and mission that we're trying to accomplish. We've assessed, we've acted, and now we can move forward as a team. So one of the simple things that we do to teach assessment and like our creative writing club is that the kids take turns reading their stories or plays or poems out loud to each other in the group. And then the group takes turns. Every person in the group gives a positive feedback to what they've heard and then something that they would like to see done differently. And negative. And it, yeah. it is very, it's, it's hard. It is hard to do that. It's hard to give an assessment that's meaningful and not just like, Oh, that was nice. It's hard to give a real positive. Like I like that character development because now I feel like I have a picture in mind of what that person is, but I felt like the dialogue rambled on too long. And so we're trying to teach kids how to do assessment with each other and give valuable feedback in a way that's kind and that's a real skill. Well, because it entails being specific, it, it entails being considerate, and it's always in relationship to the original goals, roles, and expectations that were negotiated. One has to really think through all those things that have been established mm-hmm. specifically in order to give really considerate and effective feedback. Exactly. So, I mean, we've just covered a ton of soft skills in this in this session. Mm-hmm. We hope you've enjoyed this three-part uh, series that t- turned out to be on teamwork between David and I. So, David, thanks for joining me well, again. Thanks for having me. I thought we made a good team. Yeah. <laughs> 33 years strong. So, yay. Yay. God, God um, two are better than one. For they have a good God. return for their labor, right? Um, thanks for a joining us. three strands, right? Right. Thanks for joining us on this session of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age, sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. We hope to see you next week.